Hey, welcome back to the Ascent Church Podcast. We have a great episode for you. So let's get to it. Well, I have the uh, privilege this evening of speaking at baccalaureate for Fargo High School. I don't know why they would ask me to come talk to them, but... They did, and uh, I'm excited about it. So this week I've been thinking about, you know, what would I, what would I say to, to kiddos before they go out and they become adults in the world? And I thought of kind of what I wanted to say. I'm probably not going to say it at all. That's why I'm saying it to you guys, because I've got to say it to somebody. Uh, it's just the truth. Um, I, I thought, you know, what is life all about? What is a successful life? How do you have one? And I boiled it all down to, the, and this is why I'm not telling them, it's, it's not encouraging at all. It, and at all. It's very discouraging. Uh, But what I thought about is life and having a good life is really all about pain management. That the truth is, is we often think, you know, we're graduating high school. We think it's all about what joys am I going to have in my life? And there are great joys in life. And I don't want to downplay those. But in life, what I can promise you will have, and the older you get, the more you realize this, is that you are going to have pain. And the people who are best at life are those who know how to manage pain well. And in fact, it's not just those who manage pain, it's those who realize that pain can actually be a part of the good life. That pain can strengthen us to be better people. That pain can grow us into stronger Christians. And those who go into life thinking that there should be no pain and that life should come comfortable and easy to them find themselves very disappointed when life does what life does, and that is cause pain. There's really two types of pain. So I'm going to talk about one type this week, and I'll talk about one type next week. The two types of pain are this. The pain that we choose. So some of you, you know, you're hanging out with bad friends. And if you hang around with squirrels, you're going to get hit with nuts. That's just the way it goes. That's pain that you chose. You brought it on yourself. But then there's this other kind of pain. And that's the pain that chooses you. And we've all probably experienced this. You didn't deserve it. You didn't see it coming. But there it was. There was pain. Jesus talks about this kind of pain. He says it's coming for us, whether we want it or not. That's why I had Michaela read Philippians chapter 2, because the pathway to the resurrection goes straight through the cross. Jesus says, bear your cross. We don't like talking about Friday very much. We like to skip to Sunday. We want to live a resurrection life. Well, to get to the resurrection life, you first have to go through the cross. You have to bear your cross. You can't go over it. You can't go around it. You can't go under it. You've got to go through the cross to get to the resurrection. Pain will come. And you might think, well, Blake, this is quite a depressing thing to say on Mother's Day. And I get that. But here's a really encouraging thought for you. Uh, And by encouraging, I mean not encouraging at all. If you're not depressed, I'm probably about to fix it. You will see everybody you love die unless you die first. Welcome to Ascent, where I'm here to encourage you. (laughs) But, But it's absolutely the truth. And if we ignore that truth... We, we are not living a joyful life. We're living a life that is not rooted in reality. And on Mother's Day, a day that our culture likes to put a whole bunch of bright colors around and a lot of smiles and, you know, look at me, I'm dressed up because it's Mother's Day. So I give my mom one day on the calendar, Easter and Mom's Day. I get my best clothes on. It's a happy day, right? Well, what I know is beneath the smiles, there's a lot of suffering and grief that happens on this day because I've talked to people who on this day suffer the pain of miscarriages, who on this day suffer the pain of infertility, who on this day suffer with guilt over children that maybe they have abandoned or children that they have aborted. 
There's a lot of pain on this day. And maybe for some of you, you're not even a mother and it's a painful day because you've lost your mother. You've lost your grandma. You don't have a good relationship with your mom. Some of you moms, you have children, but you don't really have children because they're wayward. They're gone. They're not following the Lord and you have a strained relationship with them. So on this day when we smile, really beneath the smiles is, is a lot of pain and grief. Made me think of what the Proverbs say. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 13 says, Even in laughter, a heart may be sad, and joy may end in grief. Mother's Day is in fact the perfect day to talk about suffering. Because I know in this room a lot of us have suffering around the idea of Mother's Day, both from choices that we chose, but also from the pain that chose us. And that's what I want to talk about today. Next week I'll talk about the the pain that we choose And by the way, you should choose some pain. I'll talk about that next week. Because some pain now is better than having pain later. But again, I'm not going to preach next week's sermon, I promise, okay? This week what I want to talk about is the pain that chooses us. And I've got three major points, so I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say, and I'm going to tell you, and then I'll probably tell you again at the end. uh, Because preaching is a lot like talking to children. You have to say it over and over and over again in the hopes that somebody hears. So (laughs) let me tell you what my three points are. You guys can lighten up a little bit. We're talking about some not fun topics, so... You ought to laugh every time I give you the chance to laugh. That was really weak, but that's okay. (laughs) Number one is I believe pain can make you better or it can make you bitter. You can be a victim or you can be a victor. And you can look at your pain or you can look at the pain of Jesus. Those are your choices and they are choices that we all have in face of our pain that chooses us. Father, I am so grateful that your scripture tells me that you draw near to the brokenhearted. And God, I'm going to say some things today that I would not say one-on-one to somebody. If I were with somebody in this room that was grieving, I would just grieve with them. I would weep with them. But Lord, your word has some things to say to us as individuals about the way we are to think about our struggles in life. And so I must preach with boldness. I must say what God's word says in the hopes that it would transform some of our individual thoughts about the suffering that we are going through. That it would renew our minds as your word says. Lord, I pray that today you would give a special grace and a special peace to those who are suffering. And Lord, as always, I pray that you would afflict the comfortable and you would comfort the afflicted. Jesus, I preach by your power and I preach in your name. I cannot do this alone and so I ask that you help me. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Number one is pain can make you better or it can make you bitter. And uh, my wife has this shirt that I think is delightfully corny. Uh, It says... Grow through what you go through. And I think that's awesome because that's something a preacher would say. You know, grow through what you go through. But it's actually really true and it's a biblical idea. But what I thought was if most of us were to have a shirt, it wouldn't be grow through what you go through. It'd be grown through what you go through. You know, I, I, this is me too. I, I'm a lot more like Eeyore than Tigger a lot of the times. You know, oh my gosh, can you believe what the White House did? Can you believe what my neighbors did? Can you be- I just want to blame everybody but myself, and I want to feel sorry for Blake, and nobody understands Blake, and Blake's all... And I can just go into this moment of just wallowing in my pit of suffering. But the problem is, is that we get stuck in that pit. Have you ever met somebody who is still crying about something that happened to them 20 years ago? Well, what begins to happen is we begin to feel sorry for them, don't we? Like, man, you would, your life would be so much better if you would just let it go. If you just do Frozen. Just let it go. But they're holding on to it. It's making them more and more and more and more bitter. And every time they talk about it, they grow a little bit more bitter because they're not growing from it. They're groaning in it. 
This is not just my idea. This is what the Bible says. James chapter 1 says the pain that we have, we should actually, this is crazy, count it as joy because through it we get growth. You're like, I don't believe you, preacher man. Okay, I'll read it to you. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials. What are you talking about, James? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. James says, rejoice when suffering comes your way because it's an opportunity for growth. Okay, James, what do you know? Well, I want to know what Paul says. All right, well, I'm glad you asked because that's what I have next to my notes. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. Yes, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And we're all saying, amen, Paul. Keep going with the sermon. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. And endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. Wait a minute, Paul. You, you had me until you started talking about afflictions. I don't want to amen that. But Paul ends it. This is the, the climax of what he's saying. Even in our afflictions, we rejoice. Why? Because as Christians, we know that it's through the cross that resurrection comes. We know that this is an opportunity not for us to groan and wallow, but an opportunity for us to grow and become more like Christ, more complete in our maturity. But the choice is yours, friends. You have to choose. You have to decide. Is this going to be something that I grow through? Or is this going to be something that I find myself groaning through. Proverbs eleven twenty seven says this, The one who searches for what is good seeks favor, but if someone looks for trouble, it will come to him. You will find what you are looking for in your suffering. So if you continually focus on the bad things that have happened to you and continuously groan about them, they will never go away. They will only increase. I'm a big proponent of therapy and getting professional help when you need professional help. But I know some people who apparently have bad therapists because they go to their therapist and they're more sad about the situation. I've been seeing a therapist for seven years and I, I feel worse about my situation. You need a new therapist. Because what you're going through should be an opportunity for you to grow through. So when we come to these situations, i got three questions that you can ask yourself when you're looking at the pain that has chosen you, the pain in your life. Question number one is you ought to ask, what can I learn from this? Remember what James said? If you, if you need wisdom, ask God. God, what are you trying to teach me through this? This is why some of you guys, because you won't learn from it, you keep getting the same lesson. You know, it was my, it was my ex-wife's fault. It was my second ex-wife's fault. It was my third ex-wife's fault. It was my fourth ex-wife. Dude, it might be you. <laughs> God's trying to teach you something about marriage. You need to learn because you keep going through the same lesson. You're not learning. God, what are you trying to teach me through this pain and suffering? Yeah, I know what those mean people did to you, but what can you learn from it? And see, this is something that we hate in our culture. It's this idea that we think everything should come to us easily, but in reality, everything good in life comes through a little bit of pain. This is why we love diet pills, because I would love to take a pill... You know, and look like the rock. <laughs> Wouldn't you? 
But then I read about The Rock's workout, and he gets up at like 4 a.m., and he works out for like seven hours, and all he eats is egg whites. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't want that. I want what he has, but I don't want to do what he wants to do. There's a famous preacher who was preaching at a church, and a young man came up to him, and he said, he's a young preacher, and he said, I want to preach like you one day. And he said, you want to preach like me? Or are you willing to do what I did to preach like that? Are you willing to read the countless books? Are you willing to practice? Are you willing to do all the things that I did to be the preacher that you see? Because if you're not, you'll never be that preacher. You've got to grow. You've got to go through these tests. Just like this morning, I went to the gym and I was running. And when I run, I feel like I'm going to die. But what am I doing? Well, I'm testing myself. See, I think I can run three miles, but then I get on the treadmill and I'm at 1.5 and I'm starting to see images of Jesus. And I can't go three. I know I can't go three. It reveals something about my, my ability. But guess what? It also trains something in me. So next time, I might, I might not go three, but I can go 1.75. The next time, I can go two as I keep growing in all that God has for me. But I've got to go through these things. And what we want is we want to be patient people, but we never want to go through stressful periods. We want to be joyful people, but we never want to go through the valley of sorrow. Well, friends, it's through the valleys, it's through the stress that I gain these godly characters. Because you don't know how patient you are until you've been stressed. And I'm perfectly patient right now. One of you guys makes me mad after the service. Then we'll know how patient I really am. We'll know Blake's tolerance, won't we? And I can use that as an opportunity to grow, or I can... Blame it on you for being an annoying person. And my patience does not grow. Uh, I heard a story, uh, another story about a pastor who went to Korea to study this church over there that was doing really good in small groups. And uh, so his pastor said, go learn what they're doing over there in Korea. And uh, the guy was learning about small groups. uh, But he noticed just how amazing this pastor in Korea was, this older pastor, because he heard so many stories about people who had tried to kill this pastor that then this pastor ended up baptizing And he said, now, how is this guy so forgiving and so loving towards people? And so they were sitting down and talking. And he said, I know I'm supposed to ask you about small groups, but I I want want to stop and and ask you a question. How did you become so forgiving? Because I have a hard time forgiving people when they cut me off in traffic. And a guy could have cut off your head and you baptized him. I need to know your secrets. And up to this point, the guy was talking through a translator, but he broke the translator and he looked at him and he said, I forgive so many people. Because I hate so many people. (laughs) You can't be a forgiving person if you don't have hate people you hate to forgive. You've got to have these opportunities. So what can I learn? What can I learn from this God? Question number two is how can I draw near to God in this? Psalm 34, 18 is one of the most encouraging verses for me. It says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saved those, He saves those rather, crushed, in spirit. See, when you go through one of these valleys, when something happens, you have an opportunity to draw near to God. God is a special place in His heart for the brokenhearted. But what a lot of us do is when we go through these scenarios, what I'm tempted to do is not run to God and to God's people, but to isolate from God's people. You know, it's in these valleys of pain that I want to be left alone and do my own thing. Or I think people ought to reach out to me. But let me just give you something from the other side of suffering. When you see somebody you love suffering, the reason why a lot of us don't reach out is because we don't know what to say. And so what I have to do when I'm suffering is make the conscious effort to reach out to God's people. Because God's people are His body. And so if I want to experience Jesus' presence in my suffering, then I've got to get in the same room as Him. And I don't mean a room like this. 
I mean, I've got to invite friends over to weep with me at the kitchen table because I can't believe what just happened. I've got to ask for help because I am in so much grieving that I can't cook dinner tonight for my family. So I've got to ask my brother or my sister in Christ to cook it for me. That's where God is, friends. It can be a time to grow in your intimacy with God. So don't ask, how can I, how can I isolate myself from God and God's people in this time? But in your suffering, say, how can I draw near to God in this? Then the final question is, how can I glorify God through this? How can I glorify God? You, you know the, the moment where your testimony is the brightest to an unbelieving world? It's not when everything's going good for you. You know, I'm glad when you prayed and the disease went away. I'm glad when you prayed and you won the lottery. You know, those are cool. But you know what everybody else thinks when they see that? They get jealous. They get envious of you. They're not really impressed with your faith. A lot of times what we do is we make excuses. Well, it might have been the doctors or it might have been this. And that's not a good thing for us to do. We should have faith in what God is doing. But you know when I'm really impressed with somebody's faith in Jesus? It's when everything's falling apart. When it's the most beautiful soul I've ever seen and they pray and they pray and they pray and the disease is still there. When they're fighting for their marriage and they're believing in Jesus and they pray and they pray and they pray and their spouse still leaves them. And yet through it all, they don't give up in faith on Jesus, but their faith in Jesus has only grown brighter. I look at a person like that and I say, I want to be like that person. That is the person that builds my faith. When you can keep your faith, even when everything around you says that you should have no faith. And this is why when the secular media talks about Christians... They talk about these stories where Christians show this amazing type of faith. Where there's a murder trial. And a mom looks at the one who killed her child and says, I forgive you because I was forgiven. The world looks at that and says, that's weird. How could you do that? And yet in that moment, we get to glorify God, don't we, friends? Our testimony gets to shine bright. When an unbelieving world would say, now walk away from your faith, we get to say, no, my faith is stronger because I'm not looking at my circumstances. I'm looking at my Savior who holds those circumstances. And it's also an opportunity for you to minister to your church family. I love what uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction. That's good news right there, isn't it, friends? He's there to comfort us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Friends, the suffering you have, if you will allow yourself to share it with others, can be a great opportunity for you to minister with others. I can sit with a woman who's had a miscarriage and I can weep with them, but I will never understand the way somebody else who's had a miscarriage can understand I, I can sit down with somebody who, who has cancer and weep with them, but I'll never understand like somebody who has cancer, who has had it in the past and can sit down with them. Friends, do not hide your suffering. Do not hide these things that have happened in your life, these painful moments. God has given them to you as a gift if you'll use them. And not just a gift for you, but a gift for others. God has given you those things and helped you through those things and comforted you through those things so that you might sit down with somebody else who can't see the light at the end of the tunnel and say, I've been there and I know, but I know it's around the mountain. I know where the light is. And there is still hope in this Jesus. Amen. That's number one. Pain can make you better or it can make you bitter. The choice is yours. And we move from that to another choice. You can be a victim or you can be a victor. You can be a victim or you can be a victor. Now, that's, that's something that gets an amen pretty easy. Like if I said it in the right preacher voice, you all would have said amen. If I, you could be a victim or you could be a victor on top of the mountain. Amen. 
Then I pull out my preaching rag and wipe the sweat off and ask you for all your money. Um, but I'm not going to do that, okay? Uh, if you want to give money, that's fine. I'm about to have a, a child I have to feed, so... But it's true. You can be a victim or you can be a victor. The choice is yours. Uh, I see a counselor. I know that shocks you. I look like the, the epitome of mental health up here. Uh, sometimes people are like, are you the real pastor? <laughs> There's not another guy coming next week. Sorry. Uh, and, uh, and I see my counselor. I, I have ADHD and I make jokes about it all the time. But I, I literally do. Like My brain doesn't make as much dopamine as it should, uh, which means, pray for my wife, uh, Sometimes I'll pick a fight with her just to get the dopamine levels up high if I'm not careful. And, and I like to annoy people because it, it, like, it stimulates my brain. Uh, and I could easily look at that kind of stuff and go, look, it's not my fault. I'm an, I'm an annoying guy because of my mental health illness. And one of the big areas was getting up in the morning. Waking up has always been really hard for me to get going. And uh, I'm kind of like a locomotive. It just takes me a little bit. But then when I get going, it's hard to stop. And uh, I was talking to Randy. Uh, who was my counselor, uh, and he, he was, we were talking about morning routines and how I said, you know, I'm, I don't really, I feel rushed in my Bible reading, and I feel like I walk into my day and I'm already anxious because it took me a while to get going. And he said, well, why don't you start getting up in the morning? And I said, Randy, I have ADHD. And this is what he said to me. He said, Blake, you've got to come to the realization that some things in your life are not your fault, but they're still your responsibility. Ooh, I need to hear that. Because I listen for excuses everywhere I go. I want to blame everybody else and I want to be a victim. Because if I'm the victim, there's nothing I can do about it. There's an oppressor above me and that oppressor is going to keep on oppressing. But Randy said, no, no, no. Look, I understand that you have ADHD, but it's still your responsibility to figure it out. If you need to get up in the morning to connect with God, then you've got to figure out a way to get up in the morning and connect with God. This is also one of the greatest pieces of leadership advice that I think I've ever been given. And it's all about your language. It's all about your mindset. Uh, you might find this unbelievable, but when pastors get together, you know, when we have our secret pastor meetings, uh, we're not praying for you guys. Normally we're complaining about you. And it's like, you know, it could be depressing. You get a whole bunch of pastors together. One pastor, well, my people don't give. Well, my people don't pray. Well, my people don't even come to church anymore. You know, and it's like we're one up in each other with what our people do. And uh, I had a, had a leader tell me one time, but stop saying what your people will and will not do. Instead, say what you have not led them to do. So instead of saying, my people won't give, what I need to say is, I have not led them to give generously. Instead of saying, my people won't pray, I say, I have not led my sheep to pray yet. You see, because then I take the responsibility on myself. And in Spider-Man, which is you know probably one of the most godly movies ever, and of course I'm talking about the first Spider-Man. They have a new Spider-Man every like five years. It's really confusing. Uh, but the first Spider-Man, in it, his uncle says something like, with great power comes great responsibility. But you can also turn that on its head. With great responsibility comes great power. When I take responsibility for it, I'm no longer a victim. I just haven't learned how to do this yet, but I can learn how to do this. And this is something not just if you're a leader, but in your life, you can begin to say. I hear people all the time, and I say it myself, and I have to correct myself. I'll say, I can't do that. I can't be a morning person. You know, I can't get up. I can't go to the gym. I can't do whatever it is. What you need to stay and say is, I have not learned to do this yet. Because I don't care who you are, there is somebody that has already done what you want to do. And if you get to know some of these people who are really disciplined, what you find out is that they're just people like you. There's nothing special about them. This is why I love reading presidential biographies. 
uh, because they made it to the highest office in, in, in the country, and they're all really messed up. Like, you read their biographies, and you're like, you know, the only thing this person has that I don't is that they just kept going. They just kept focused. They had a belief, and you might call it narcissism, but <laughs> they had a belief that they could do this thing. So instead of saying, I can't, you've got to begin to say, I haven't learned to yet. You can be a victim, or you can be a victor. Proverbs 13.4 helps us with this. It says, the slacker craves, and yet has nothing. This is what I want. That's what I want. This is what I want. But if you're not doing anything, then guess what? You have nothing, because faith without works is dead. But the diligent is fully satisfied. And I love Proverbs 15.15, because it doesn't say what you think it would say. It says, all the days of the oppressed are miserable. But, and what, if you don't know what's next, I know it's behind me, but if you didn't know what was next, you would think, but the days of the free are joyful. But that's not what he says. He moves from a situation of being oppressed to a character, to a choice that they made. But a cheerful heart has a continual feast. Look, friends, sometimes it's not your fault, but you have to take responsibility for it anyways. You can be a victim or you can be a victor in your pain. And finally, number three is you can look at your pain or you can look at the pain of Jesus. It's one of the things we say is our goal for Sunday mornings. Uh, when I preach and when we sing, we want to worship Jesus. So we don't really sing a lot of specials because uh, I'm, I'm not here. We don't sing any specials, in fact. You know, I, I, we're not here to worship uh, Miss Sanger or Miss Sally or Miss John. I don't know. I'm trying to make up names that none of you guys have, and I can't even make up names. Some of you guys are really unique with names. But... Um, I'm sorry, Sally. I didn't, I didn't mean to... Fin- I looked at Sally and I said, Sally. I don't know if Sally ever wanted to sing a special, but I feel like if she did, she thinks I called her out and I did. Uh, see what I mean? It's hard being up here, guys. Uh, you know, we, we, don't, we don't want them to sing a special because we don't want you walking away here going, oh, did you see how good they sang? I don't want you to walk away from here, not that you'd ever be tempted to, to say, look how good Blake preached today. I want you walking away from this place going, look how good Jesus is. Because when we have a big God, our problems are small. But when we don't focus on God and He becomes small and we think it's all on us, guess what? Our problems magnify. They become huge. And the best place to look for God and to look at God is through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because in it, we find three things that comfort us. Number one, in His suffering, we see that Jesus is with us. I love what Isaiah 43, 1 and 2 says, about 600 years before Jesus is born, God says to His people, it says, Now this is what the Lord says, The one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I love how it says when you pass through the waters. It doesn't say if you happen to pass through the waters. No, it says when you pass through the waters, because you will, friends. I will be with you, and the rivers will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, and the flame will not burn you. You're going to walk through fire, but if you walk through it with me, you'll come out on the other end, and you won't even smell like smoke. Amen. Amen. This should be the most encouraging thing to us, that God says, you are mine, Blake Farley. What can cancer do to me if I'm God's? <laughs> you know what, what can anything that this world throws at me do if God says Blake is mine. He's all-powerful and He's all-knowing. And if we just had this verse, we could say, yeah, but Blake, how do I know? Because to be honest with you, when I'm passing through the waters, it sometimes feels like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. When I'm passing through the fire, I, I don't see God around me. 
And the way you can know that is because God didn't just say it from heaven. He took on flesh and He walked amongst us. A lot of times people say, Blake, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there evil in the world? And to be honest with you, I don't know the answer to that question completely. A lot of it has to do with our own decisions. And we don't want to admit that. But I, I don't know fully why evil exists. And, and Jesus doesn't really come to answer that question. But what He does do is He shows me the way through it. You know, Jesus is the greatest person to ever live and the worst possible things happen to Him. He, he showed me. He showed me that He is in it with me. In fact, here's what Hebrews chapter 2 says. For since He Himself, being Jesus, has suffered, when He was tempted, He is able to help those who are tempted. So when the person dying of lung cancer can't breathe, Jesus can comfort them because He knows what it feels like to be hanging and to have His lungs fill with blood as He suffocates to death. But when the person who has lost somebody that they love, Jesus can understand what it's like because He lost the greatest relationship of His life. As He is on the cross dying for our sins, taking our place, He calls out in a, in a, in a way that I don't even fully understand when I think of the Trinity as Father, God, and Son being one, but He cries out, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? He can sympathize with you in your suffering as you feel separated from the person or the people that you love the most. See, in our suffering, when we look to the pain of Jesus, we see one who is with us in our suffering. And number two is in His suffering, we can have confidence of His care for us. When I'm suffering, it's easy for me to think God doesn't love me or that I did something wrong to God. And, but when I look at the cross, I know that God does love me. You know why? Because He took on flesh and He died for me. He, he bled for me. And here's what Paul says, Romans 8.39, this is in the message. He says, if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing Himself to the worst by sending His own Son, is there anything else He wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? If God would do all of that, do you not think that He would be with you in your suffering? No, friends, when I look at the cross, I can know that God loves me deeply that He's on His throne, and that if something's happening to me, God is going to use it for good. It's what He specializes in, in taking evil and using it for good. Think about the greatest evil. The day that God died on a cross was actually God's greatest victory over sin, death, and evil. He specializes in taking that which the world means for evil and turning it to good. And He can do the same for you. And finally, in His suffering, we can have hope in what is to come. Our suffering is temporary because although we might be in Friday and Saturday right now, we believe that Sunday is coming. We worship a Savior who has defeated death, who has defeated the tomb, and it tells us that He is the first fruits of what is to come for all of us. This is why the early church was not afraid to die. You could not kill them. Uh, you could not make them suffer because no matter what they did, they were happy. You couldn't take their joy away from them. I love the Apostle Paul. He says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's my verse. If I thought I would look cool with tattoos, I would get it. But I know I would not look cool, so I don't have it. Some of you would. You should get that tattooed. To live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, you know, what can you do to a guy like that? You know, Paul, if you don't stop talking about Jesus, we're going to lock you up, put you in prison. And Paul says, great, I'll just preach to your prison guards. Okay, well, we can't do that. Uh, Paul, you know, we're, we're going to chop off your head if you don't stop. Awesome! To die is gain. I get to be with my Savior. Okay, Paul, fine. We're just going to let you go. Woo! That's what I wanted you to do. Because my focus is Christ. What can you do to a guy or a girl like that? Nothing. You can't take their joy. 
Because they have purpose. And why? Because they believe in a Savior who defeated the tomb. This is why Peter says this. 1 Peter 1, 5-6. And Kim May and everybody, you guys can go ahead and come up. Peter says, You are being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. Do you guys know what Peter means by for a short time? He means your entire life. (laughs) For a short time, you might suffer various trials. Why does he say that? Because when I take my 80 years on earth, my 100 years on earth, whatever God gives me, might be 27 years on earth. I don't know what it is. But I do know that that compared with the next million, trillion, billion years is nothing. It'll be a drop in the water when I think back on the sufferings of this life. And so Peter says, keep your focus clearly on that. Romans 8.18, Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. So friends, when you are facing the pain that chooses you, and I know that it often does, and I'm preaching with boldness and confidence in a way that I would not if we were one-on-one, because I know this is deep, serious, dark stuff. But I'm telling you to decide today to make some choices because I love you. That's why I'm telling you these things that might sound hard and you might get mad at me, you might even get mad at the Bible. But what do we know? We know that there's three choices we can make when pain chooses us. Number one, we can become better or we can become bitter. We can choose to be the victim or the victor. We can continue to focus on our own pain or we can look to the pain of Jesus and the hope that we have in it. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for everybody in this room. God, I thank You for all of the ladies that are with us today as we celebrate them on this day. But God, I also pray for all the ladies in this room who maybe on this day put on a smile, but it's a day of deep sorrow for them. And for the men in this room who on this day are reminded of strained relationships or lost relationships or any kind of suffering that they might be going through. And God, for those who are in the middle of the valley right now, I pray that You would just send Your comfort to them. I pray that this message would be uplifting and comforting. And God, for those of us who right now are in a pretty okay season of life, Lord, we know that those seasons don't last. We're either in suffering or headed towards suffering. And God, right now, I pray that this would begin to transform our minds so that when we find ourselves in the valley, it would not be something that we have deep sorrow in, but that we would have a hope in. There would be a joy in, as the Scriptures tell us to have. Right now, friends, with your eyes closed, head bowed, just take about 20 seconds. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Father, I pray that you give us the courage to obey what you've spoken to us. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Friends, let's stand and sing to this King. Thanks for tuning in to the Ascent Church podcast. You can check in with us on social media at My Ascent Church. New episodes each week. Thanks. Thanks.